Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixing the Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown. And this week on the show, joining me, we got Lil Mike, Mike Ayula. What's up, Mike? What's up, Ryan? How are we doing? Not too bad. Not too bad on this Wednesday night. It's another week in the books for the college football season. And we're getting pretty close to the college football playoffs. So I think it's about high time we kind of recap where we're at in the college football season. So we're three weeks in for the college football playoff rankings. Uh, so let's, before we get into the rankings, dive in on those. Let's do a quick recap of the season to this point. I think the first talking point absolutely has to be the just dominance of the Georgia Bulldogs, the undisputed top team in college football right now, 10 and 0. No one's, no one's even like giving them a fight, let alone uh, a close game. Like n- these are, these games are just absolute blowouts. Uh, and the defense, it, it, it makes you wonder, even though, you know, you take a step back and it's, you, you kind of realize, all right, they're not, they're not all professional players to be, but, Man, that Georgia defense looks like it could compete at a higher level. That's all I'm going to say. But, I mean, they've got some amazing wins on their resume. And they finish up with some cupcakes. But I think, Mike, we got to start talking about Georgia. Give me your thoughts on the Georgia Bulldogs start so far. Well, you know, this past week I was a little disappointed. And then they gave up a uh, season high in points uh, for a single game. 17 points total they allowed to Tennessee this week. Just utterly disappointing. Um, no, but I mean, that 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 just goes to show you like 17 is the most points they've given up all year. It's it, They're a sick joke. I mean, it, this is one of the best defenses I've seen since, you know, like Dante Hightower was playing at Alabama. It's been, you know, 10 plus years since we've seen a defense that can just single-handedly carry a team to victory every single week. Um, I mean, led by interior defensive lineman Jordan Davis, 6'6", 340 pounds, absolute, you know, beef of a man, uh, kills it on the interior, pretty much takes away two alignment on every single play, makes it almost impossible to run the ball against. They've got a really good secondary led by Clemson transfer, Darion Kendrick and a few others um, who have played well above their heads this season. Uh, it, it, it's just a complete unit top to bottom, uh, that, that does not allow points that makes life on opposing teams difficult. And that, that has just completely shut down offenses all year long. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I'm going to be honest, I'm a relatively casual fan. I can't name one player other than Stetson Bennett, who's this, I think he's the starting quarterback. I don't think he's the backup. I, I forget who the backup is. It's JT uh, Miller, the former USC uh, product. So them, okay. them two have been bouncing back and forth. Stetson Bennett has kind of taken the reins for the most part of late, but basically it's whoever gets the hot hand. And for now it's Stetson Bennett. Yeah. So, so Bennett's a starting quarterback, and I, I should say I know George Pickens because he's a really talented wide receiver. But, you know, other than that, I can't really name anybody on their offense. They just kill you with death by a thousand paper cuts. It's like they slowly grind it out, grind it out, throw in three different running backs who can all get, you know, around five yards per carry. They'll put up, you know, however many they need. If they're going to give you zero, they'll put up 24. If they're going to give you like 10, they'll put up 35. If they give up 17 like the, they did this past week, they can put up 40 points. You know, it's, they respond to whatever the defense needs them to get. It's not like they're a particularly great unit, but they do enough every single week to wear you down. 
and just crush the soul of your team to the point where the offense knows it already has no chance. And then the defense is just mentally deflated. It's, it's, it's easily, it's easily the best team Kirby smart has ever had at Georgia. Yeah. And it also helps when you've got like three or four running backs that you can just cycle around and get pretty similar production from all of them. Uh, they've got their top two currently are Zamir white, James cook, but they're both have rushed for about 600 and 500 yards respectively. So it's, it's, it's basically running back by committee. You lean on two guys more often, a little bit more often than others, but really they've got like three or four guys that they can turn to, to hand the ball off and feel pretty strongly that they're going to get a chunk play out of it. Uh, They've got a very strong offensive line, same thing on the D line, like defensively, they're just monsters and there's not a whole lot more that you can really say about the team other than than they've just got talent across the board at every position except quarterback. And that is something we'll, we can kind of dive into maybe a little bit when we talk about who we think uh, can really win it all uh, towards the end. Uh, The other thing, another story that I kind of want to talk about, it has to be Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Bearcats out of the American they're undefeated 10 and 0, but it's looking at least from my vantage point that they are regardless of ranking, they are on the outside looking in. Uh, they're currently not in the top four of the college football playoff. They're sitting at number five in the most recent rankings that came out last night, but it almost seems like this, even if they were to go undefeated, they would need help of some sort. Uh, their best win on the season is an impressive one. They went into Notre Dame and beat them by double digits. Uh, Notre Dame is still a top 10 team in the rankings. So that's, that's a big win for them. The problem is they're in the American and the American is pretty barren this year. It's not as great, uh, as it has been at times in the past and that's really hurt them because Cincinnati's strength of schedule is sitting at like 101st, I believe. Uh, so I, I, I'm not sure, uh, what it's going to take for Cincinnati to get in. I just know that from now the committee thinks seems to think that they're on the outside looking in. What are your thoughts on Cincinnati? You know, I really like the Cincinnati football team, Ryan, uh, led by Desmond Ritter, a quarterback, one of the better quarterbacks in the country. Um, we all know the strength of schedule story. I mean, you can only control who you play, though. And they did get a ranked game on that schedule. Notre Dame has been really good this year. Their only loss is to Cincinnati. They have otherwise handled their business, and they're, they're eighth in the country now, respectively. So, you know, it, they do have that top 10 resume win on their resume. Um, you know, the rest of it, they can't really control that the rest of their conference sucks. I mean, the rest of the ACC sucked, but Clemson has lost multiple games. And they were given a much more benefit of the doubt early on. And they're obviously getting punished now because they suck too. But, you know, the, the point is, is you can't really control who the, how the others are. You can only control what you can control. And Cincinnati has gone out and handled their business all year long. They've been a good team. They've hammered all their opponents pretty much throughout the entire season. I, I think they might've played a close game this past week, but I, I, I don't know how close it was necessarily. I, I, I wasn't following them too closely. Um, all I know is they are still undefeated and I will leave you with this on them. Uh, the committee has done a lot of benefit of the doubt on past history for like the past few years with the playoff, leaving Oklahoma at eight because it didn't believe in them because of what they've shown in the playoff and being rewarded for that 
um, with Oklahoma's loss this week, which pretty much eliminated them entirely. Who was the last team to beat Georgia, Ryan? The last team to beat Georgia? Probably. Oh, I think I know what you're referencing. You're referencing the Sugar Bowl between uh, Georgia and Cincinnati. And Cincinnati. This Cincinnati team beat Georgia last year. Georgia hasn't lost since Cincinnati beat them. If Georgia is the benchmark, and this is pretty much the same Cincinnati team, and you want someone who can go in and beat Georgia, why aren't you giving Cincinnati the benefit of the doubt when they're the last team to do it? I know Georgia's much improved. I know it's a different year. I know since he hasn't had great competition, but if we're going on the benefit of the doubt argument that we've been using all year for the college football playoff committee, I'm just saying Cincinnati should be getting more benefit of the doubt. I think they're a top four team. I think they deserve their crack. I think this should be the first time that a team uh, from a mid-major conference gets in. Yeah. And honestly, if, if you don't put in this Cincinnati team, because when they put their schedule together, obviously you're hoping Notre Dame is a very good team and that they are. Indiana, they also beat them on the road. That was a preseason ranked team. They've kind of fallen off the, the product of the Big Ten being so competitive. They just haven't been able to hang. Um, so they weren't able to get a, a quality win out of that. But uh, yeah, if you don't put in this Cincinnati team, I struggle to wrap my head around when you will ever put a group of five team in because it seems to be the best one of the college football playoff era. And if you don't put this one in, it, you're putting it, especially if they're undefeated and they finish strong, you're really putting, uh, you're really just saying that there's basically no hope if you are not a power five team to get in. And that's unfortunate. It, that just shouldn't be how it is, but that remains to be seen. Uh, one last thing that I think is interesting to note, uh, aside from the two teams that we have talked about who are both undefeated, everyone else has at least one loss in college football. You want to know who the exception is, Mike? Who seeks? I actually don't know who the other undefeated team is. The other undefeated team is ranked 22nd. It's the university of Texas, San Antonio Roadrunners. Out of conference USA, put UTSA in the college football playoff. Right, what, what is their strength? Of, what is their strength of schedule? I am curious as to what their strength of schedule uh, is. Uh, we're, we're not even. We're not even going to go there. It's. It's probably like two hundred something. It's. Hey, it's, hey, it's not. You know, good. Good for them for winning every game. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, there are a lot of teams with, you know, worse strength of schedules that didn't win every game and don't have a single ranked opponent on their schedule either. So, you know, good for UTSA for winning all those games and getting into the top 25. And, you know, they're probably going to get, you know, a bowl game uh, sometime around December 26th because of it and get to play a low end power five team, you know, <laughs> so good for the program, good exposure, you know, go UTSA. Yeah. Their, their best win on the season was week one. They beat Illinois. <laughs> Illinois is not even that good though. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> oh, they, you know, what's going to happen is they're going to play Texas A&M and lose by like 30. <laughs> yes. That, that, they'll, the they'll get like a seven and five power five team and they'll lose by like 27. Yes. That's pretty much exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be like the, it's going to be like the, uh, what's a really whack bowl name. Uh, Oh, like the craft hunger bowl or something. It's going to be something just ridiculous. And they're the just going to just hate a bowl. Yes. That's the one. Yes. That's a winner right there. Uh, 
but getting back to the main point uh, that I started with here before I let myself get sidetracked with UTSA propaganda, uh, all division one teams outside of those three have a loss in the college football playoff era. No one, no one with two losses has ever made it into the playoff. So point is pretty much if you lose, if you're a one loss team and you lose from here on out, you're toast. Like your, your odds of getting in are basically gone. Uh, there might be an exception. I think there's only one of them. And that would be if out Al- because Alabama is sitting at number two, if they somehow lost by like one to Georgia in this SEC championship game, I feel like you could make the case uh, in terms of, well, they were the only team that could hang with Georgia. So they deserve another shot. But then there's the argument, well, they lost twice and there's all these deserving one loss power five conference champions. So I don't know how that would shake out, but I know that that would at least merit a discussion. Would you agree on that? I would. I think the more interesting thing there is, you know, Oklahoma's dead in the water at this point They're They're not getting in. They dropped the 13th. You know, Oklahoma State's ninth winning the Big 12 right now. And let's say theoretically they win it. I don't know that they're good enough to get in. Um, so I, I think the Big 12 is just about dead. You look at the ACC and that's been dead for a while. As soon as Wake Forest lost the game, that conference was completely toast. So then you have, you know, the, the other three conferences. You know, George is the only team that can really afford a loss at this point. They've just been so dominant. If they had one off week, no one would bat an eyelash. They'd be like, all right. It's an off week. They've been the most dominant team all year. They're going to be fine. Um, Ohio State and Oregon are the other two, and they have big weeks coming up, and I'm sure we're going to get into that later, so I don't want to talk too much about that right now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they each lose a game, and then you really, really have an interesting discussion on your hands because Oregon definitely doesn't have a strong enough schedule to get in. Ohio State might, but it really depends on how these next couple weeks go. I would agree with your take on Bama being the only potential two loss team to have like a really good shot. It just comes down to then if Ohio state and Oregon both have one loss and Georgia's undefeated, does two loss Bama get in over undefeated Cincinnati? That's what the committee is going to have to decide on. And that is that that's really the differentiator for this mid major versus power five debate is, is a two loss Alabama better than an undefeated mid major? The answer is, I don't know. You know, Bama's been kept at the two seed the whole year with the one loss, even though they're not leading their conference and they're going to be wearing the white road jerseys in the SEC title game. It's because of how dominant that program is and because of how good of a coach Nick Saban is and how consistently good they are. And they're the only team that every single year outside of the one year LSU fielded NFL offense has made it into the playoff. The only one, Um, you know, so it's, it's, I don't know that whole two loss versus undefeated. It, that, that's a tough one. I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you, Mike. I just kind of lost all thought process. Cause uh, either I've got some roommates below me with absolutely ridiculously vibrating, like washers <laughs> and dryers, or I just experienced an earthquake. I don't know what just happened. Oh, Jesus. That was weird. Anywho, let's, uh, let's, I'm going to, I'm going to try and uh, act like that didn't happen, even though it totally did happen. Uh, let's move you on. Could, you, you could, 
<laughs> that was weird, man. <laughs> I, I was lost there for about 30 seconds. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Uh, anywho, uh, let's talk about the initial rankings. Cause, uh, I, I really think it's important that we not only discuss the most recent rankings, but also the way the committee established the rankings a p- couple of weeks ago. So back, uh, I believe it was two, three weeks ago, uh, Georgia was obviously the unparalleled number one, but Alabama came in at number two with a loss ahead of an undefeated Michigan state ahead of undefeated Cincinnati, Oklahoma, et cetera, et cetera. But another theme that we saw in the initial poll that I want to get your thought on uh, or thoughts on rather is head to head. How much does that matter? Because to the committee in their opening poll head to head was critical. They deemed whenever they deemed that two teams were fairly close together in the rankings, it seemed they automatically defaulted the team that won the head to head. Let me give you some examples. At 23 and 24 in the initial CFP rankings, Fresno State was 23, San Diego State was 24, and Fresno State had just beaten San Diego State. Then you had Wisconsin at 21 and Iowa at 22, and Wisconsin had just beaten Iowa. A little bit higher up, Mississippi State at 17, Kentucky at 18. Mississippi State had just beaten Kentucky. And then you slide up a little bit further. You had Oklahoma State at 11, Baylor at 12. OK State had beaten Baylor a couple of weeks prior. And then up at the top, you had Michigan, uh, you had Oregon at four, and you had Ohio State at five. Oregon went into Ohio State and beat them in the horseshoe uh, early in, I think it was week two of the season. And so, you saw head-to-heads just seemingly prevail uh, across the board uh, in the initial rankings. So, Mike, with that in mind, what were your thoughts on the initial rankings and how did you feel about head-to-head seemingly playing a big factor in it? Um, Well, I think we did a podcast on the initial rankings when it came out two weeks ago, and you and I had this very discussion Mm -hmm. um, on that. And I think it, you know, it, it does make sense at base level. I mean, if two teams on a pretty equivalent level play each other and one wins out, they should be ranked higher if they both have similar records, strength of schedule, all that other good stuff, et cetera. Um, I think it's interesting how much more noticeable it was this year. It could just be the fact that, you know, a lot of ranked teams were playing each other head to head. And in years past, they weren't necessarily doing that. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, it, it was kind of funny that they did it that way where they had them all staggered back to back like that. I think that is a very interesting thing. Um, but, you know, obviously that has changed quite a bit over the, over the two weeks as you know, the rankings, while they look the same as last week, they don't quite look the same as they did two weeks ago. Yeah. And one of the big talking points would be Oklahoma at eight. They were undefeated, but they really hadn't played or beaten really anyone. They, and they also hadn't looked very good in winning all the games that they had at the time. And not only that, but they had already undergone a quarterback change. Preseason Heisman favorite Spencer Rattler got benched. 
halfway through the season in favor of freshman. I believe his name is Cam Caleb Williams. Williams. Caleb Williams. Yeah, Caleb Williams. Thank you. Uh, and he's been pretty good in uh, Rattler's Steed so far, but he hasn't been without his faults either. He has. He looked really bad in the game at Baylor this past weekend. Um, and so bad that Rattler came in and tried just to try and shake things up again. And that didn't work. So they went back to Williams once he was, uh, once they, he was, I think he was pulled initially for injury, but then they just kept him out altogether. And then they threw him back in at the end to try and salvage. And it just, nothing was working for Oklahoma, but I actually really respected the, the committee for putting Oklahoma all the way down at eight rather than closer to where they were in the AP polls, which is like four because yes, they're undefeated and yes, they're a power five team, but they really hadn't looked that strong. Like they look, they had their flashes, their moments, but it just, they couldn't seem to put together a full 60 minutes. And I think the committee recognized that and put them in pretty, pretty much in the same vein as wake forest, who is in a similar boat at number nine at the time undefeated, hadn't beaten anyone and had just looked good at times. So I actually respect the committee for that play. Yeah, no, I, I like that quite a bit. What, what I'm noticing more this year that in years past is eye test tends to be playing a bigger factor than it has in, in the past where the past it was. Okay. You're not a fight, undefeated power five team. There are one loss power five teams. You're going to go in front of them. Uh, not this year. This year, the one loss teams that look better than the undefeated teams were put in front of the undefeated teams because they look better. And the committee is tired of having a four seed in its tournament that ends up getting obliterated by the one seed. I mean, last year, I don't remember who Alabama played. I just remember they beat the living piss out of them. And the year prior, I think was the LSU Oklahoma game. <laughs> where it was like 42 to seven at halftime and yeah. like Joe Burrow got to take a quarter and a half off in a playoff game. And it was like, what is the point of this? Like wh why even? And so I think that has a lot to do with like, you know, Oklahoma, I think actually it was Oklahoma who got in last year as the four seed. Again, the last two years they've been the four seed and they got the piss beaten out of them by the sec winner. That's how it's been. It's been like Ohio state and Clemson were the two, three, uh, Clemson won the first year, Ohio State won the second. And then it was SEC winner versus Oklahoma, and Oklahoma just couldn't hold with the SEC winners. So I respect the committee for being like, okay, until you beat someone, we're not giving you your respect because you haven't shown us you can beat someone on the big stage. They did that this year. It turned out that the second Oklahoma got a big game, they got it against, I think it was Baylor this past week. Yep. Baylor beat, Baylor beat him. Like th the first time all year they've had a real test. Don't give me that Texas crap. Texas is just, a, they're a friggin' perennial fraud. We're back. No, you're not. Um, <laughs> uh, the circle of Texas. It's, it's just, a, it's an amazing, it's an amazing cycle to behold. Yeah. Really, really yeah. is. Yeah. Right. Not to digress too much, but that, it's going to be really funny when they go to the SEC and they have a three and nine season. That's going to be <laughs> so freaking funny. And it's like the same thing with, with your Oklahoma point. Like, oh, we can't beat them in the playoff. So if we can't beat them, let's join them so we can lose to them even more often. <laughs> like what? Yeah, seriously. It's like, oh, you want to kill? Yeah, let's go kill off all of our recruiting and all of the hype around our program by joining a conference. It's more difficult than the, the one that we can already barely win. Woohoo! 
No, no. Ask Texas A&M how much fun it is being in the SEC. It, <laughs> it, it's not. It's not. And they're better, they're better suited than Oklahoma these days. Yeah, seriously. Um, but no, the, the general point is not to get too far away from what I was talking about. I test is a big thing this year. That there's a reason Alabama is at two with one loss and has been since the initial ranking. It's because they look like the second best team in the country. One loss at Texas A&M that a lot of people like you thought could possibly happen because a and is a good team and Jimbo Fisher's a good coach. Wasn't going to change that. They've taken care of business elsewhere. They look like they have the best offense in the country and the committee is rewarding them for that. Um, you know, I respect the committee for at least this time saying, we don't care if we're putting the two SEC teams in the top two. And if we have to put those two in, we'll do it because we want a better quality of product in the playoff when we get there. Yeah. And I, I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Now let's quickly go over the most recent set of rankings. Uh, like we said, the top seven from the, the previous week unchanged now going into this upcoming week. Uh, the big thing is Oklahoma lost. They dropped five spots all the way down to 13, pretty much taking themselves out of contention for the college football playoff. Why do I say that? It's because historically in the entire history of the college football playoff, no team at this point in the season has ever made the college football playoff ranked 10 or lower. So you had the lowest was like Michigan state, like back towards the initial uh, one of the uh, first years uh, where they were nine. And at this point, and they were able to jump up uh, and crack the top four come season's end, but that's pretty much the cut line. And so looking at the top nine now, it, I think a case can be made for everyone in the top nine. I think it's just, varying in terms of whether teams control their own destiny or whether or not they need a little bit of help or a ton of help. Um, and, but the one thing I do want to touch on before we kind of go into that and how we think the top nine, or maybe you have a different cut line in mind, Mike. Uh, the one thing I do want to touch on is six and seven, Michigan, Michigan state in that initial ranking, Michigan state was higher than Michigan having just beaten them. Then they lost to Purdue. So Michigan State dropped, but they dropped below Michigan, which was curious after head-to-head meant so much for them to sort of reverse course on that one. Um, I've, I've seen online that it seems like uh, the committee believes that Michigan just is the better team and that that prevails over head-to-head in that situation. Uh, I found it very interesting given the precedent they set in the initial rankings. Uh, Mike, what were your thoughts when you saw Michigan straight state fall just a spot below Michigan uh, after their loss to Purdue? Um, you know, like you said, it's interesting that, you know, head to head had such a big role in that first one. And then one loss, you know, even after they had just beaten Michigan, they dropped right below them. Um, I think that might be the committee just playing it safe because I think the committee is anticipating Michigan state's going to lose to Ohio state, given the eye test Ohio state just looks like a much better team. Um, and then Michigan will have a crack at Ohio state, which not only would that be good for the playoff hype, that would also be good for college football's ratings in general. If Michigan is higher than Michigan state heading into that last week, and it has been higher than them, uh, it, it, it'll be more of a build up for the game it'll mean more for the ranking. If it's like, Oh, number six, and they've been there for a couple of weeks versus like, Oh, they just got to number six. And the committee didn't have that much faith in them. 
I think the committee is kind of in a sort of way, there is politics involved with these rankings to an extent. And I think to an extent, the committee is hedging their bets that Michigan State can't compete with Ohio State and there'll be a two loss team after this week and will be completely out of this discussion. Whereas Michigan should handle their business against, I, I don't know who they're playing, but I know Maryland. it's Ohio. Okay, so Michigan's going to win this week and be a one loss team going into the Ohio State game. And that will be that matchup will then have massive hype around it and massive playoff implications. I think that that might have a lot to do with it is that Michigan gets the later crack at Ohio state. Hmm. Now, so let's talk now about who we think still has a shot to make the playoff and then how we think they get there. So I've already established that I think the cut line is where it historically has been at this point, And that is the top nine. Do you agree with that? Or would you say uh, a team in the outside that top nine still has hope, still has a chance? Um, I disagree with you, but I have a harder cut line. I think it's five. Really? Yeah. So when I looked at the six through nine, right? So nine is Oklahoma state. Um, I think the big 12 is fraudulent. I don't think they're ha- like Oklahoma was the bar they lost. I, I don't think any of those teams are good enough to hang. They haven't showed they are in the past. Um, if, if Oklahoma has been the top of the conference and they're not good enough, I, I don't see why the committee is going to reward faith in another team like Oklahoma State that isn't them and hasn't been there before. Um, so I, I, I just can't take them seriously as a threat. Um, Notre Dame at number eight, you know, I don't know who they play these next two weeks, but I know that Cincinnati at five is sitting in front of them. And the committee cannot justify putting in Notre Dame over an undefeated Cincinnati when Cincinnati beat them head to head. And they've used that head to head mark all year. Yeah. I can't, like I, I can't see Cincinnati losing in the regular season. And I can't see the committee taking more than one team out of the current top four. And if they do that, it's going to be for Cincinnati. So I just can't see Notre Dame finding a way to get in there. Uh, the for- reason I put it, yeah. For, for, for reference, Notre Dame is playing Georgia Tech and Stanford in the last two. So they should be able to hold serve there pretty easily. Right. The reason I put it at five, the cut line at five and not seven, I don't think Ohio State's going to lose to either of the Michigan teams. I don't think Michigan State is good enough. And as long as John Harbaugh is coaching <laughs> Michigan, I'm not going to bet. I, I'm not going to bet on Michigan winning that game. They, they haven't done it before. I don't see why they're going to do it now. Ohio State is the best team in that conference. They have been all year. I cannot see them losing to either of those Michigan teams. So, you know, could six or seven get in if these next two games goes right for them? Absolutely. Will they? I don't think so. I think right now, Ohio State has to be the odds-on favorite to win both of those games, which pretty much kills off both of those teams and then the two teams behind them. I, I just, I don't see a road for them. I think the top four as it stands have pretty good paths. And I think Cincinnati is the team that needs help. Okay. Uh, for me, let me explain why I feel it's top nine. I mean, I think we're in pretty much agreement, Georgia and Alabama, if they went out, they're in, I mean, even, even if Georgia loses in the sec championship and they are, end up at 12 and one, I still think there's no way they drop out of the top four. Um, mm-hmm. So 
that, that being said, I think the discussion really starts from three to nine. So if you look at Oregon, if they win out and they're a 12 and one PAC 12 champion without a marquee win at Ohio state, and then a pair of wins against Utah, who is currently a ranked team, uh, that should be enough given where the, how the committee has established them as already a top three team. However, I do think there is a chance if they look bad in their last two or three games that, and, and they still find a way to win, that there's a possibility that a, an undefeated Cincinnati team could jump them. Like for instance, hypothetical here, uh, let's, let's say Georgia beats Alabama SEC championship game. Um, that would knock out Alabama. Um, but if like, if Ohio state wins out, Cincinnati wins out, uh, and Oklahoma state wins out, I don't think there's a chance that Oklahoma state, uh, could make it all the way and jump Oregon. But I think when you reverse that discussion and you bring in Alabama winning the sec championship, then I think there's a possibility that Ohio state could absolutely jump Oregon. Uh, if they were to win out in a dominant fashion, despite the head to head loss. And I think Cincinnati could even enter that discussion of jumping Oregon uh, just because Oregon hasn't looked very strong uh, of late, but then again, same could be said for Cincinnati. And right now they need as many Cincinnati needs as many style points as they can get. Um, Speaking of Cincinnati, I just think, they need, like you said, they definitely need help. Not only do they need Bama to lose again, which is certainly possible in the SEC championship game, but I think they need Oregon and Oklahoma State to lose just to be safe. Because I feel like if it if it comes down to it, Oklahoma State, like in your scenario, Mike, you say Ohio State will take care of Michigan, Michigan State. Well, Oklahoma State, if they went, were to win out, they'd probably jump Notre Dame and then they Michigan, Mich- Michigan state would fall below them. So Oklahoma state would be knocking right on the doorstep of Cincinnati. Um, and I think that with a bunch more marquee wins to their ledger, then a discussion could be had there. So I think if you're Cincinnati, you have to see Alabama lose. You probably want Oregon to lose as well. And it wouldn't hurt if Oklahoma state took another loss outside of that. Ah, man, it's, it's really tough because, uh, the, the big 10 will obviously play itself out, but there's a wacky scenario where like Michigan state beats Ohio state, Ohio state beats Michigan, Michigan state could go on to the big 10 title game, but then like fall to Iowa or Wisconsin. And then the big 10 is stuck with a two loss team. And now the league that everyone presumed at this point in the season was going to get a team into the playoff is now sitting there with a two loss champion or a three loss champion. If it were Wisconsin. Uh, so that could be a doomsday for the big 10. Uh, if that were to happen. So there's so many different scenarios that play out, but because of that, I do think it's plausible for everyone in the top nine to somehow find their way in. Like for example, Notre Dame. I mean, if Michigan, Michigan state lose to Ohio state, Notre Dame slides up a couple spots. Cincinnati chokes in the American conference game. They tumble down. And while unreal, possible while that's probably unrealistic as I struggle to get my words here, it's possible. 
So I'm not going to rule it out completely. Yeah, no, I, I do think that you, you give some valid points there. I think the Oklahoma state thing is definitely, you know, they, they're the big wild card because they do have more marquee wins than the three teams in front of them, especially assuming that the Michigan teams do lose to Ohio state. The debate just then becomes if Oklahoma state comes in play and they were to somehow jump Cincinnati, why was Cincinnati given the benefit of the doubt this whole time? And, you know, if Oklahoma state gets in over Cincinnati, given that they have been behind them this entire time, it, it, it comes back to what is the point for these mid-major schools? Like, like if you go undefeated, you have a ranked win on your schedule, you take care of business everywhere else. And some team that has one loss and has been behind you all year steals a spot from you at the last second. I, I mean, that's just like a, it's a gut punch. It, 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 it kind of kills off the idea of, you know, recruiting big name guys to these schools um, because they're never going to get the chance to play in the playoff and um, until it gets expanded to eight. And then some team will get the chance, but like, you know, everyone will just continue to go to power five schools and the mid majors will, you know, almost never be competitive again because no one's going to want to go to a school that can't play for a playoff and has absolutely no hope whatsoever. You know, Cincinnati is the hope for those mid-major schools and the committee has seemed to be at least giving them more benefit of the doubt than they've ever been in past years. Um, but to put one of these other teams that's been behind them the entire year in over them now, it, it, it would just feel like a punch in the gut to them and to everything that they've built so far. Yeah, but I, I do think it's, it's a plausible scenario given the fact that Oklahoma state has already beaten a Baylor team that beat Oklahoma. They also have three wins already over ranked teams at on top of the Baylor win. Now, none of those three teams are in the current batch of rankings, but they were in the top 25 at the time the game was played. So I'll, I'll call it for what it is. And if you add two wins over Oklahoma, uh, one in the Bedlam game at the end of the season, and then another one in the Big 12 title game at a neutral site. I mean, yes, we, we don't think Oklahoma is as strong as they've been the last couple of seasons, but even then, it's still Oklahoma. The record still looks strong, and it's a team that in Oklahoma that could turn it on, on offensively on any given Saturday. So if you add two convincing wins over Oklahoma to that resume, it's you start to wonder if they've done enough to kind of start to leapfrog over some other teams. Uh, so I think, again, I think that's where I'd cut it off. I just don't see how Wake Forest can possibly enter this discussion. They would need absolute mass anarchy. I, I just, cause they haven't beaten anyone. Uh, NC state last week, who's uh, number 20 in the latest rankings. That's their best win of the season. Uh, so I, I just don't see how they're going to find a way to get in without mass chaos. So I call it top nine. Uh, I could be argued to reduce it a little bit closer to you, but not by much. All right. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, I think it's high time. We also look back at our preseason playoff picks, Mike. You remember those? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't do great across the board. I mean, we had a couple of, of hits. We also had some misses. Uh, yeah. You had Alabama 
Clemson, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Ohio State as your top four. I had Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Texas A&M as mine. So right now, you and I are both looking like two for two, or two for four, rather, uh, which isn't bad, but could, could have been better. Um, that being said, uh, if we were allowed to go back and change those who, cause I think we know who we would replace out of those four. Uh, what two teams do you think you would add in at this point in the season? Um, well, given that I would absolutely kick out Clemson and Oklahoma, um, I'd add in Georgia because I didn't know they were going to be this good. I knew they were good. I didn't think they were better than Alabama good. And I think it's, it's their year. I mean, everything just adds up to it being their year. They've from day one looked like the best team in the country, quality wins on their resume, dominant performances. Like we talked about earlier, you know, no reason not to add them. The other one I would add is Cincinnati. Um, You know, they've run the table this year. They've done everything they're supposed to do. Uh, I, I get the strength of schedule isn't there, but they're a fun team. They're a good story. And I think a lot of people want to see them get in and want to see what it looks like when a mid-major gets in and gets that opportunity. Um, so if, if I had to add two, it would be them. So I will also add two as well. It's to replace Oklahoma and Texas A&M. So joining Georgia and Ohio State in mind, I'm obviously going to throw Cincinnati in as well. I think they're deserving. I think they should get a crack. Uh, I just am hoping that the committee will give them said chance. But my fourth team is probably going to surprise you a little bit, Mike. My fourth team right now is Notre Dame. And here's why. I really think that Oregon is not going to be able to beat Utah twice. I don't know if it's going to be this week at Utah or if it's going to be in the PAC 12 championship game in a rematch against Utah, but something I I don't feel like Oregon has proven that they are dominant enough in the past like month or two to warrant uh, belief that they can handle business against the same quality team twice. So I think they're going to lose one of those two games to Utah. Then I feel like uh, Ohio state will take business. So that knocks off Michigan, Michigan state. And then I kind of think Oklahoma state will, will lose a game, whether it's Bedlam or in the uh, big 12 title game. So that just by, like I talked about earlier, Notre Dame should cakewalk to 11 and one. And in that scenario, by process of elimination, everyone else will have fallen ahead of them pretty much. And they'll sneak in as number four. So I think um, you're, you're ignoring one really dramatic thing in there. Oh, no. you didn't address Bama. You didn't address Alabama and that whole spiel. I didn't hear one thing about why Alabama who has been number two shouldn't be in over Notre Dame. Sure. They lose and they have a second loss and the committee doesn't buck their trend on putting a two loss team over a one loss team. It's a, it's a, it's a stupid point. It's, but that's the precedent the committee has set. And until I see them break it, I I just can't go out on a limb and say an Alabama team that loses a close game to Georgia in the SEC title game will then be rewarded 
with a rematch in the semifinals of the college football playoff. I just don't think that's the look that the committee would want to give because that'll just scream SEC bias. And I don't think they care about that as is obvious by the top two, uh, Georgia and Alabama being where they are in no changes whatsoever. But at the same time, I just feel like they're not going to buck on that two loss trend when there are good enough one loss teams out there that have played well enough in you can argue are warranting and deserving of a spot if they've done well enough. Like you, like you said about Cincinnati, you can only play the games that are on your schedule. Maybe Notre Dame doesn't have as many quality wins as some of the other two lost teams in my scenario, but they also survived more games. And I don't, you just, I'm not sure where the committee would stand on that. I just feel like they would go with, the, the one loss Notre Dame over a two loss Alabama in that scenario as, as ridiculous as that sounds, because Alabama is definitely the better of the two teams. And we've seen that year in and year out in the college football playoffs. Whenever those two teams match up, Bama just rolls over them. No pun intended. <laughs> no, that's, that's completely fair. I just like, I had noticed that you were like getting to the end of your point about Notre Dame. And I was like, uh, he doesn't have Alabama and he hasn't mentioned Alabama. So I got to say something here. Yeah, that's fair. I probably should have let off with that in the plausible scenario, but I, <laughs> I just, I, I, at this point, uh, if I just feel like Georgia, the only hope of anyone beating them is to somehow make whoever the quarterback is Stetson Bennett, JT Miller, just absolutely crap their pants. And, and that, whether that's the, the opponent's doing, or that's the moment getting too big for Georgia. I, I just don't see it happening. Uh, I, I'm not sure if Alabama's defense is even good enough to cause that. So if, if you're trying to, uh, to argue that I'm, I'm not, sh- I just can't get behind it because of how dang good that Georgia defense is. I know Alabama is arguably the best offense in the country. If not, they're top two, but right behind Ohio state. But if I, I just think that that defense is just too darn good. And I just, until I see somebody crack it, I just, I don't think I'll, even Alabama can overcome that. We're going to find out in like what, three weeks when the SEC title game happens. Yep. Can't wait for that. Let's just hope nobody slips up and ruins it. I mean, you know, that, that could end up just being the national title game because if Bama loses that day, I, I don't know if anybody else is beating Georgia. Uh, seriously. And that's the thing. Do you give, and that, that's another conversation in and of itself. If Alabama plays Georgia better than anyone unequivocally uh, all season, and they, they only lose by like two or three, like it's single, like it's within a touchdown or within a field goal. Like, do you give them a second chance? Do you just say, all right, I've got a couple of other one loss teams that I've got like another one loss team or two that I could put in at four, but because Alabama almost beat Georgia and then beat everyone else, except for Texas A&M, I'm going to give them another shot. I don't know. I think if they do get in um, as a two loss team, I think they'll be put in as the three seed because no one is going to want to see Bama, Georgia, right away again. 
I think they would put Alabama, drop Alabama from two to three and just make whoever that push up the three seed to two. I think they would just flip those two teams and whoever was at four would stay there. So I think it would be like theoretical because I don't think they would want a Bama Georgia rematch right away. Even if Bama, if Bama has two losses and two other teams have one loss, it's, it's not going to matter that much because they'd all have to basically go through each other at some point to get to the title. So I think it would be Ohio State would play Georgia and Oregon would play Bama. Mm, that that would open up a whole nother can of worms because then you're saying uh, a two-loss team better than a one-loss team strictly basically on the eye test. That mm-hmm. would be interesting. I'd actually almost like to see that. I want to see what the committee does in a situation like that. Um, but I also want to see chaos too. And, uh, I think the best way to do that is an undefeated Cincinnati team getting in the college football rankings and making things happen in said playoff. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, that's all I've got in my notes, Mike. Uh, is there anything you want to touch on uh, as we wind down here? Uh, I'll just uh, close out with a happy fuck Duke. That's, that's really all I wanted to say here at the end. <laughs> this is on you. You gave me the floor. Why do I, why do I keep letting these things happen? I know it's going to happen every single time. And I just serve it up. I literally just serve it up every single time. You kind of lobbed me that one. All right, we'll be back next week, hopefully. So for Mike Ayula, I'm Ryan Brown. We'll see you next time. Go do.